Hey guys, I'm Michelle, and you are joining me for a very special event here at the diner. Ken is doing a theater production, and he's been very busy with rehearsals leading up to opening night. Um, we were going to try to cram in a session this week, but it would have been rushed, so we decided to postpone our recording session. Um, over the years, we've learned that it's best to record when your head is really in it. So we had a little chat about it, and at the suggestion of one of our diners, Ken and I decided that in honor of Women's History Month and following the interview with Michelle Clooney, um, that I would do an episode mostly focused on the women of Queer's Folk. So um, some of these ladies will get their own full episode from me and Ken, and I don't want to duplicate things. So this is just going to be a little something light, a little something light and fun, because we'll do something more in depth with most, if not all of them, a little bit later, but that'll be both of us. So this is just a, a little tribute to the women of Queer as Folk. Um, yeah, so to get us started, I wanted to touch on a few things about the women of Queer as Folk overall, just kind of some general things. Now, don't come for me if my facts aren't 100% accurate. I did about three minutes of research on this. But from what I found, the first lesbian wedding on television was on the show Friends. Um, I believe it was the first. Okay, I'm talking about American television. Let me make sure I say that. I believe the first same-sex wedding was much earlier on a show called Rock uh, a couple years before, I think in like 91. But anyway, Friends would be the first lesbian wedding on American television, I believe. So, yeah. Anywho, um, now in that case, I believe it was a side character getting married. Like, like I said, I didn't watch it, so I don't know well enough to know. But I don't believe this person. I do know who the main cast was. And so I know it was a side character who was getting married. And that was a story told from a very straight gaze. And it was experienced by a straight cast. Um, I know a lot of other shows will do that. Even... I want to say Friends was another show that had like a lesbian kiss on it, but it was during Sweeps Week. So when they're trying to get ratings up, it's funny that that, I don't mean funny, haha, I mean funny, interesting that it's a big ratings thing to have two straight women kiss in a show. So anyway, we're going to move on. Melanie and Lindsay's wedding was the first lesbian wedding where the two women getting married were a part of the main cast. And it was a show about queerness from a queer lens. And instead of their wedding being an inconvenient thing and them hoping for acceptance and approval from their families, their wedding day was all about their found family supporting them and making sure they got their beautiful day. And and that was a nice change. And that was the difference in who your target audience is. You could definitely tell who the target audience was for that wedding episode on Queer's Folk. And in Michelle's interview, she talked about writing Melanie's vows. And that's a pretty big deal. If you look at the script of Queer's Folk and you watch an episode, it is pretty much word for word what came out of the writer's room. Um, all of the writers that I've spoken with have all said that Ron and Dan had a very, they had very clear visions of all of those characters and their voices. And they were super dialed into the dialogue being crafted for all of them. So even in an episode where some other writer wrote it from the writer's room, wrote it, Ron and Dan would look at it and say, hey, this sounds like that character. This is not. And so they were very they had a tight hold on on that dialogue. So that's a pretty big deal that Michelle got to write that. And I think it's yet another testament to how well Michelle fit into Melanie's skin. She knew that character so well that Ron and Dan allowed her to speak as Melanie. I think Queer's Folk also brought us the first or some of the first TV characters on American TV who were lesbian the whole way through. They didn't come out over the course of the show. 
Like you knew who these women were from the very first episode. Now we'll deal with Lindsay's bisexuality a little later. Maybe not in this episode. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But more about the women in general. I like the different stages and representations of motherhood on Queer as Folk. Now, Joan and Nancy are not invited to this party, so we will not be talking about them. But for all of the other moms on here, even Dusty as a side character, I really like how we got these different angles to see that from. Like there's Debbie, who is like seasoned by the time we meet her. Her baby is 29. She knew he was gay before he did. She's working hard, popping gum, facing off with anyone who has a problem with her or one of her own. And in a way, she is like the mother of Liberty Avenue. Not perfect by any stretch, but very present and very much there for her own son and for the gang and for the community. Um, Melanie and Lindsay, they are literally just getting started as parents when we meet them. And they are having a kid. And not only are they having to learn how to take care of this little person, they're also having to learn how to do that as a lesbian couple in a society that has made up different rules for them. And, you know, one quick example is when they're trying to get Gus involved, enrolled in school, and they have to play these games to, you know, do what society is making them do. Then Jennifer, she had suspected, but has now confirmed that her son is gay. And if you read between the lines, you get that it's been a rough season for her and Justin when we start season one. Um, It seems like they were really close. Then probably as Justin started to realize things about himself or face things about himself, he closed himself off and probably pushed her away. Because I would imagine that at that time, she was probably the person who knew him best. And when you don't want to be exposed, you push away the people who are closest to you. So we have her as a mom dealing with that question of, okay, what happens when all of the dreams and plans and stuff that you have mapped out for your child's future is not going to go that way? And um, Justin's coming out is not about her, but she is a person who is going to have a response to his coming out. And so we get to see that journey for her as a mother. And of course, she pulls it all together eventually. I want to talk about a lasting legacy for them or a lesson that I take away from each of them um, at the end of the series. So I'll start with Daphne being a good and consistent friend and really being open to all of the new experiences of life and truly living in those moments. I think about her going to Babylon for the first time and being at the GLC. And then when she talks about her roommates in college and how it's everything that, you know, people, most people complain about, but she loves it because it's the true college experience. And I like that she walks into things with bright eyes and a big smile and an open mind. And she's also an advocate for her friends. She calls them out when she needs to. And when that doesn't work, she goes to find someone who may be able to get through to him. So she truly shows up for for her friends. We'll get deeper into some Daphne stuff later, but for now, my lesson from her is to be a great friend and to be excited about every new phase of life and every experience in life and to truly enjoy that moment for what it is. Um, I'll do Debbie next. Uh, She is such a great ally and she, for the most part, creates a space where people feel safe, loved, and welcomed. And she's not afraid to speak her mind and challenge wrong thinking when it comes to homophobia or sexism or any other type of inequality and prejudice. But she's not all mouth. She is heart too. (laughs) And so that's what I take away from her. Now with Lindsay, you all know that we joke about Lindsay, but I still have good words for her. I think the lesson I'm taking from Lindsay is to embrace your passion, even if it's not something that you do at the highest level and it won't bring you any recognition or any money. If you have a passion for something and some degree of talent or just an interest in practicing it, you should do it. Uh, Lindsay knows that the chances of her 
ever getting like a full gallery show devoted to her work. She knows those chances are very slim, but she loves art. She loves to draw and to paint. And so with the support of her spouse and just kind of deciding in herself, this is something I want to do. Even if it doesn't go anywhere, I just want to do this because I enjoy doing this. I like how it makes me feel to do it. And so she does it. Now, um, that painting that she did of Sam and his uh, ooh-wee, as Kim would say, <laughs> that painting did lead to some trouble. So but we're going to get into that at another time. But still, the lesson is you don't have to be perfect at your passion. Just do it because you love it. For Melanie, I love that she is going to fight for what is right. Sometimes she goes a little far. Sometimes, you know, sometimes she's out of line. But she is going to fight for what is right. And I love that with her skill, because apparently Mel can practice any kind of law. If you go based on the show, she can do any kind of law there ever is. But I love that with her degree of, um, that with how good she is. I mean, we get the impression that she's a very good attorney. She's good at what she does. And so being that good, she could chase after money and prestige. But her thing is to fight for the people who don't have a voice and who society tries to push aside and tries to overlook and tries to control. And that's what she does. And so I like that she uses what she's good at. She uses her voice to help those people who need it the most. Instead of making being very selfish about what her abilities are and what her talent is, she uses that to help people, to fight for people. And um, I think that's a great lesson to learn from her. With Jennifer, I'm going to say that people can learn and grow and you can always begin again. I am not Jennifer's age or at her stage of life. I love that when her life took a very sharp left, she found a new path. She got back into real estate. She took classes to be more independent. She met a new man and her marriage ending gave way to a new beginning. So that's my lesson from Jennifer is you can always start again. You can begin again at any point. Um, Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to Kiki, who was the diner waitress who was transgender. Uh, Language and depictions have come a long way since Queer as Fuck was airing. And that character would be handled differently in 2023. I know that. They've all said that. Like, we all know that it would be handled differently. But yeah, I want to shout out to you, Kiki. Uh, I'm also going to give a shout out to Molly. Molly, girl, we haven't seen you since 2001, but we hope Siberia is treating you nicely. (laughs) Okay, for this next segment, I'm not big on saying what I wish would happen would have happened differently in in canon. I have a million words to say about what I think happened post canon or after or what I think happens like in between episodes. But I don't really comment much on what I wish they would have done differently. Um, That's just not my style. Plus, you can't change it. I mean, it kind of is what it is. So instead of doing something like that, I'm going to make up a little bit of backstory for them. And again, just keeping it short, just picking something random or short for me, I should say, and be honest about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We'll start with Daphne. She's pretty young, so I can't go that far back for her. But uh, I'm going to say that she gets a lot of pressure from her parents. Like, why am I thinking that her parents are doctors? Is that in the show? Or did that was that in some fan fiction? I don't remember. Um, Let's say they are professionals. And we know they're black because she told us so. I'm sure that it is a very loving household, but I think that they don't mess around. Um, I bet that even if they don't say it in so many words, they make sure that Daphne understands that she has to work twice as hard as her peers because she's black and she's a woman. Um, I absolutely believe there's a lot of love in her home because you don't get the kind of person that Daphne is without her having some love in her life. Um, But I do think there is some pressure to present well and to perform even better. I think that's why she loves hearing all of Justin's stories and um, and that's why all of the new and different stuff that he brings into her life, she gets so much enjoyment from that. 
For Debbie, I want to say that Debbie grew up as an extreme daddy's girl. Um, Her daddy was her king and her hero. And I kind of feel like Debbie was mouthy all her life. So I'm thinking that even though she and her mother loved each other, they didn't always get along. Debbie would have grown up when kids, especially little girls, were to be seen and not heard. And that's just not young Deborah. Um, But anyway, I'm thinking she's a big daddy's girl. And then Vic comes out to his family And her daddy does not approve and he does not approve in a very big way. And I think that breaks Debbie's heart. And there's something in her that decides in that moment that she will never let another man hurt her that deeply. And I think that's one of the things that keeps her single for many years. Being so let down and heartbroken by this man who she loves so dearly. Um, For Lindsay, we get hints at her college years and how she was then. So I'm going to go further back for her. And I'm just picking some random occurrence for Lindsay because we can kind of piece together her story from the show. So I'm just picking something totally random for her. Um, I want to say that Lindsay's first kiss with another girl was at some bougie summer camp that her parents always sent her to every year. Maybe she's like 13, 14. Now, all the campers are supposed to be asleep, but they never are. Of course, they aren't. Um, The girls, uh, led by Lindsay and a reluctant Lynette, they snuck over into the boys' cabins. And they somehow ended up playing Seven Minutes in Heaven because according to the movies, that happens at every summer camp. So we're just going with it. Lindsay and another girl were sent into the closet, you know, playing the game. They're sent into the closet together. And the rule goes that if you get sent in with someone with the same gender, you just talk. Let's say that's the rule that they're playing by. So Lindsay goes in with this girl. We're going to call her um, Allison. Allison is cool and she's fast and she's strong and she's really sweet. And she always goes to sit with the people who are alone in the mess hall. So we, we like Allison. Well, Lindsay also likes Allison. She likes her the same way that she likes all of her friends, but maybe also a little more. While they are in the closet, Allison tells Lindsay about her really cool Aunt Jackie, who has a special friend named Denise. And she tells her that her Aunt Jackie told her some stuff about all the different ways there are to love people. What she doesn't say is that she's noticed that Lindsay sure does stare at her a lot when they are at camp. So while they're in the closet, she tells Lindsay, well, you can kiss me if you want. I won't tell anyone. And she just says it kind of like nonchalantly. Well, so Lindsay does it. It's like real quick, short and sweet. And then when it's over, Allison changes the subject to something they both laugh over. And then their time is up. Um, Now, Allison was only a camp friend, so they didn't really keep in touch. But the experience stuck with Lindsay and it made her believe that she'd be able to do that again with another girl one day. Um, I think the only person that she ever told that story was her granny Faye. Um, until later in life when she met Melanie and I think she told Melanie maybe. So Jennifer, um, I think she was like the head cheerleader in high school not because she wanted to be, I think it was expected of her. Her parents were all about status and appearance and Jennifer would need to attract a worthy suitor. So they made her like try out for this thing. And I think that she, I don't think she was a mean girl at all. I think people just liked her just because I, I really want to th- say that she was probably very personable, um, When she was in high school, I think, okay, for looks, think Sandy in Greece. That's kind of what I'm picturing in my head for, (laughs) for a high school age, Jennifer, the image only though. I do think that Jennifer had a secret edge to her personality. I bet she would entertain some flirting from the rebel boys in school. And I could see her harboring secret crushes for the bad boys. Now, when she got to college, I think Jennifer got a little wild, um, She still went to class and made good grades, so mommy and daddy wouldn't surprise her, you know, to check up on her. But I think Jennifer had a very fun, but also very brief thought era. And you know what? I love that for her. (laughs) 
Uh, for Melanie, I think that Melanie got into at least one fist fight on the playground every day when she was in like fourth or fifth grade. Um, if a boy even looked at her funny, she would just haul off and punch him. And she was super tough at school. I think that was something that she came by very early on in life, being very tough on the exterior. But I think at home with her dad and her grandpa, she felt safe showing her softer sides. And so maybe she would do like talent shows for them in the evenings in her in her grass stained jeans and her wild hair that got all messed up when she was rolling around on the grass at recess, teaching little Bobby what happens when you call a girl stupid. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I think for Melanie. Um So I had a few questions from one of our patrons, and I'm going to answer those as a wrap up. Who would I call for advice? So this is of of the girls of the five that I've been dealing with mostly here. Who would I call for advice? Ooh, I think it depends on like what kind of advice I need. Um, Yeah, it depends on what kind of advice I need. (laughs) If I need some professional advice, I'm probably going to go to Melanie um, and maybe Jennifer And if I need some general life advice, I may go to, I may go to Debbie on that. It depends. Depends on the situation. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, that's, I keep thinking about that, but I'm okay. I'm going to go with those two for right now. Those two options for right now. Who would I trust to keep a secret? Ooh, I would trust. I think I would trust. mm, Okay. For sure. Daphne. Um, I think you could trust Jennifer to keep a secret maybe Melanie, depending on what mood she is in. It might just randomly fly out when she's going off on somebody one day. So I don't know that I would put it in Melanie's hands. (laughs) So I'm going to say Daphne and Jennifer. Now, Debbie, I think the thing with Debbie is like, sometimes if I tell you a secret, I don't want to do anything with that. I don't want you to give me any advice or any suggestions or whatever. I want you to pressure me about that secret. I just want to drop it off and move on. And I don't know that Debbie's going to allow me to do that. So that's my only hesitation with telling her. Um, who would you let take you out after a bad date? I'm definitely going with Melanie and maybe Debbie and, uh, maybe even Daphne. I think those three. That's from really, I would take Jennifer anywhere with me because I love Jennifer. Uh, okay. Who would I trust to set me up on a date? Ooh, I think I'm gonna have to give that one to Daphne for me. That's who I'm gonna give that one to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other like the other ones might be focused on like things that are important, but not necessarily important for like compatibility. <laughs> you know, they might be focused on like, well, how stable are they? What is their job? And, and that stuff's all very important. If I'm just going on like a date just to give me like a free meal and a drink, <laughs> then I ain't concerned with all that because it didn't have to go anywhere. Uh, but as far as picking someone who seems fun for a date, I'm going to go with Daphne on that one. Uh, who would I party with? Now, again, this depends on their their mood. I'm definitely going to go with with Daphne because I've already said a million times on here. I think she's fun in any situation. Um, Now, there is a very fun Melanie, but there's a not fun Melanie. So (laughs) it depends on which one was showing up. Um, Yeah. When I party with Debbie... Maybe, but then if she like starts mothering people or like sees Michael there or something, I don't know. So maybe not, maybe not. If Debbie wanted to, we would tell her we're going out. If she decides to meet us there, fine. If not, whatever. Um, Let's see. mm, Yeah, I I think that's what I'm going going with. Daphne for sure. Melanie when she's like the fun Melanie. And I would even maybe invite Jennifer to that too. Like I said, she can go anywhere with me. 
So that's what I got. Uh, yeah, for the ladies of Queer's Folk, I love their inclusion in this show. And I know we all wish that there was more with them. Um, but we did eventually start to get more and they started to have some of their own journeys. And we'll get to flesh more of that out when we're doing the character episodes for them. Um, but yeah, I, I really love them and I want to give them a little bit of the spotlight. But yeah, that's what I got. I, of course, prefer to be in the recording studio with Ken. Um, and so he'll be back for the next one. Um, and I will have seen his play by then, too. I already have my tickets. I bought a new outfit. I am sitting with his partner. It's going to be lots of fun. I would tell you guys to, like, send him some good vibes, but it'll be over by the time y'all hear this, I think. <laughs> anyway, we also have a new Pink Plate episode dropping later this week. So you'll be able to hear us both over there. I think it will drop on Wednesday. Um, I think that's going to be the pink plate day going forward. It will be maybe Wednesday or Friday. We'll see. Um, we are discussing the movie The Broken Hearts Club on that episode. And I think you can stream it for free on Tubi or one of those platforms. It was released the same year that Queer's Folk debuted. So we thought it would be neat to look at some other queer representation from that year. Um, plus, it was recommended to us by some of you. Well, alrighty, guys. Until next time, I am out of here. Bye. Bye.